Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. All right. Another episode of Fixing Your Agile Coaching. I'm Brian Ripley with me again is Bob Galen. So Bob, we've already solved all the problems of the world. And now we're going to talk about some Agile Coaching. Yes. Yes, <laughs> we, we were solving all. We solved them all. And so, of course, many of you know Bob Galen, um, his Agile Moose website, newsletter, Cal trainer, leadership expert, one of the greatest Scrum product ownership books ever written. Um, like Thank I said, so this much. is this was my go-to for many, many years. Um, just overall great Agilist shares uh, on the podcast, the Metacast. We didn't mention the Metacast on the last episode. We did not. Oh my goodness. So Josh, I'm sorry. So Bob is a co-host um, with Josh Anderson on the Metacast. They've been doing that for a number of years. They've got some YouTube stuff going on, which will link uh, a link should pop up right now over to their channel. Um, there should be some awesome stuff in the, in the, there will be awesome stuff in the description linking back to Bob. But if you don't know Bob, start following. It's great Just stuff. start following me. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Ryan, for having me and inviting me. Seriously. And yes, everyone, Metacast, Meta hyphen cast. Yep. Uh, Josh Anderson and I, he's big. Uh, I'm little. It, for everyone, you have to see there's a YouTube video where we're talking about big A agile and little a agile. And and literally we emphasized our, the difference in our sizes. <laughs> I had never realized how small I was compared to Josh. Well, until we did that episode. So Josh was a uh, division one linebacker, wasn't he? Uh, I, uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati uh, yep. and a tight end, tight end, Josh and, is a, bl a, big... and, and a blocking tight end, blocking tight end. Josh is a yeah. big boy. He's, he's big. <laughs> and, and I don't always appreciate it, Ryan. So, so we actually, in the video, we adjusted our chairs. So I went down and he went up. <laughs> and so my little head's like at the table height. And I'm like looking up at my, you know, I was like a munchkin looking up at like the Wizard of Oz or something. So, so you'll have to just, just look at that. And even when we're not, even when we're normal, it's like this. So I got a, I, I actually hurt my neck that day. I, I had, up? I did, yes, looking up. It, it was, it was a challenge. Nice. Well, Bob's come back for, uh, I'm posing a question. This is kind of my, uh, 
this is a question I have that I've been thinking about, and I wanted to get Bob's ideas and, and expert opinions on this as well. Something that we've been kicking around in, in some circles lately is, does an Agile coach need subject matter expertise? And so what I'm really asking is, can an Agile coach step into a context <clears throat> and start coaching people and teams and organizations when perhaps they've never done that kind of work or they're kind of outside of their element? They have their coaching chops, right? So let's say they're you know, we saw the wheel in the last episode. Let's say they're competent on most of the skills there. But when it comes to the actual domain and area of expertise, uh, perhaps the, it's a little fuzzy, right? Does that framing make sense, Bob? Absolutely. So I mean, what, I'll, you, what do you think I'll, here? I've always said, and, and I want you to change my, and you probably will change my mind. So, or, or give me, not change my mind, but give me nuance. I've had a pat line, Ryan, for years and years and years. And it's not just a pat line, it's, it's, I've gone in as a scrum master. So I've joined a couple companies as a leader or whatever. And I felt like there was no better way to integrate in it as a newbie in a company than to be a scrum master for a team yeah. for a while. And I joined a team. And in some cases, I, I, you know, it's been so long since I've written code, I didn't have a freaking clue about the business domain or the and and or the technology domain and i found on the surface that that didn't affect me as much as i thought it was it actually helped me because my cluelessness uh, helped me ask good questions my cluelessness helped me to listen uh, my as a coach or scrum master coach my cluelessness helped me uh, to trust the team more uh it just it, it now i had to get a clue over time i had to listen i had to learn i had to be curious over time but it, it was an advantage flip that around when i've gone in cockily and i understood the business domain right right i've, I've worked in some fintech domains i used to yep. do systems for walls for trading systems and things so i'm pretty cocky in that space or pretty experienced and cocky in that space. Uh, it 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 actually helped me less as a coach. So if I'm if I was an individual contributor, it would have helped me a lot. If I would have been a product owner, it would have helped me a lot. But as a coach, no matter how you're couching it, it 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 was actually hard to shut up. It it was I it was it made it a challenge for me. So that that's the thing for me is. I don't know if subject matter expertise is your friend in in a coaching role. What do you think? I will I, respond to that. Yeah, I I tend to agree. Um, there there's some some nuance though that I'll, I'm going to throw at you, right? And so I, I always think when, when I get this question, I think back to being a kid, and when I was a kid, I was a pretty good baseball player, right? I loved baseball, still love it, except it's hard to watch on TV now, right? It's just kind of oh, it's slow, but. I love baseball. I love the Cubs. My oldest son is named after Andre Dawson, former right fielder for the Chicago Cubs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, I named I... my first my firstborn is named Dawson. I love the Cubs, right? And uh, my dad would take me to a batting coach. So there was a batting coach where I grew up. He was a, the Milwaukee Brewers batting coach during the season. In the offseason, he came back and lived in Indiana, and he would teach. And so we would go, I would hit a hundred baseballs. He'd record them. He'd tell me, you know, raise your elbow, move your hands. He was watching me and observing me. He wasn't asking me questions. He was telling me, this is what you do next, right? Your hands off, your shoulders off, your plane is, is weird. So you're popping it up. And after a while we got things tweaked. Um, 
and so he was very directive in his coaching, but also occasionally would ask it like, how did that feel? Like mechanically, are you tight? So I got some questions, but it was very directive. And I always, and I'm not sure if this is the right comparison. If he was not a former major league baseball player, if he was not a professional uh, major league baseball coach, I don't think my, I don't think I would have been hitting, you know, hard line drives into the outfield. I never had the home run power, but I could get some nice hits, right? And I could hit a curveball. And that's because he showed me exactly what to do. And so when I think of coaching for better or for worse, that's my mental model. It's probably wrong because it's so directive. But what I think he was doing was in that advice slice that we were, that we were talking about yep. last week. And so I think that the nuance I want to introduce here is if you're in that, if you're required to be in that advice space, you have a dummy like me who can't, can't hit a curveball. Asking me powerful questions is not going to get us to me hitting a curveball. So you slide into that advice. That is the one stance where I think if you do not have that expertise, you might be in some trouble. Does that make sense? I, so I think it's dangerous. Yes, it makes sense. And I think, I think it's dangerous to generalize those sports coaching yeah. metaphors or analogies with <laughs> agile coaching in a general way. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me bring it down to specifics. You technical coaches, like coding coaches, pair, yeah. people who are teaching XP coaching XP technical practices and make that. So that's your agile coach context with a okay. client. I think that's more similar to what you were talking about with sports, like, like show, that. show me. So it depends on your coaching. Uh, you and I were talking about advising stance. So let's say we're doing leader. You've been in the leadership role, right? Yep. Roles. Uh, <laughs> you're doing leadership coaching and someone is struggling with setting up an organization dynamics, right? I, I think in that case, you might activate that stance. Yep. So, so it's there's situational places depending on the style of coach you are or the type of coaching you're doing, where I think the sports metaphor does make sense, right? Uh, but, but even then, I think, I think that person could have overdone it. All right, so now I'm gonna take a walk on the wild side and see how you react. You yeah. grow up, you're starting to get more experienced. I hope that he starts asking you questions. Yes. Yes. About how did that feel? Yep. And what what did you sense, Ryan? And Ryan, what would you do if you wanted to hit more line drives, opposite field line drives? What do you think you should do? Right. So so yes there's that advising stance, but now it's not just showing you what to do. It's engaging you because you're growing as well. What do you that's think? That's a fun. That's a fun nuance because now you've introduced uh, maturity into this matrix, right? Right. And so as I got as I got more competent as a batter, he would say, "Do you understand why you just popped this up?" Ah. And, it's, and it's because I led with the foot and not the shoulder, and of course, and, so I dipped, and then the bat dipped slightly, and the angle was bad, and it popped up. And so he would start asking me, "What do you understand why this just happened?" Which is a great question. See, right. and that's not directing, that's, right? And it, it may be direct and then question. So the, the oscillation there is advising, right? And maybe teaching, teaching, yeah. advising, coaching, right? Teaching, advising, coaching. Now, when you were beginning, it was probably it could have been more teaching, advising, te teaching, advising. But I like and, and, what I like. But I like where you went ahead. though. Is that you? You kind of shifted into leadership coaching, and what yeah. I have found is those who have not sat in the seat. I would, I struggle with when oh. they're trying to coach me. If they've never actually had the pressure of a board of directors or a, or an executive vice president on your back and a team upset with you and, and all these, 
I, I had a hard time relating to that coach. Does that make That's, sense? Absolutely. I, I've talked to several, I've coached some coaches and I, I've experienced, or I've come, I've experienced some coaches who are complaining about leaders and that, you know, they're not, re, they're not responding to their coaching, to their professional coaching, their death by a thousand questions. coaching, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and, one of my next questions is, you know, what are their goals? What 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 pressures are they under? And they and they can't answer that. And I'm like, right. well, here's what here's what I would like you to do. So I do, and they're like, oh, you, you know, you mean I can't coach them if I haven't been if I haven't sat in their seat? I'm like, well, that yeah. would be really nice to have that experience. But I said, if you don't have it, one thing you can do before you have the audacity to think that you can coach them is walk in their shoes for a couple of weeks. Please. And put and 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 follow them around and walk in their darn shoes. And I'm not joking. And invite you and go to a board meeting when they're getting hit about the freaking head with pressure and and think about that. And now yeah. now put your empathy on and, yep. and 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 now coach them. What would that change? And what does that change? Changes everything, uh, right? And it changes everything. So experience is nice, but if you don't have it, and this goes back to if you don't, that doesn't give you a license to just by default, do something silly, learn or get yep. in their space. Uh, I think empathy is incredibly important for, for coaching empathy for your, again, one of the nice professional coaching things is we there, we're there to serve the client, which is who we're coaching. And so it, it are, it's not about us. It's not about our right. skills. It's what, what stance do we have to adopt to serve the client? And part of that service is understanding the world. Like, I think we need to step and look at the world through their point of view. To, and depending on how we, if we have the experience, we can do that. If we yep. don't have the experience, then somehow figure out an innovative way to get that, get that lens. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, when I think about coaches like that, and I've, I've met a few where I've, I've provided some very similar advice, right? Go get some experience in the chair. If you can't get experience, shadow, partner, you know, go with, see the pressure. It, it just, it's always reminded me of, um, so I'm, I'm 42. Right. And I, and I was recently, maybe the last year or two talking to a 20 year old life coach, you know, they had, they had cornered me, they, you know, and they had asked me a few questions and I'm like, wait, wait a minute, you're 20. <laughs> How are you a life coach? Exactly. <laughs> like, like, what are you, what are you coaching me? Like I'm 42. Like, what are you going to coach me? Well, you know, family and kids. I'm like, you have no kids. What are you, what are you doing? And he, and he's like, well, I have experiences. I'm like, buddy, you know, my wife and I went through infertility and kids stuff and career stuff. And we've gone broke and we've done well. And we have all these great life. Exp what are you going to tell me? Right. And he just kind of looked at me with this blank stare. I'm like, buddy, you got to go live, go live, you know, build your family, learn the lessons and then come back and tell the next generation what's up. Like, and and I could be wrong here. There could be some amazing 20-year-old life coaches out there who are really mad at me right now. And I'm okay with that. But I I think you got to go live a little bit and then you can talk to people just as you got to find out, like you said, it's the empathy, but even the sympathy. I want yeah. you to have some sympathy for that person. I want you because I think that sympathy drives us to action, right? It's like now I have to serve this person. I want to help this person. I want to meet their needs because now I kind of get just how they're getting crushed. And the Absolutely. 20 year old life coach can't do that for me at 42. And I think an agile coach who's never 
had the pressures of leadership, the pressures of, of a board coming down on you, I think that'll be a, a stretch. It's a, it's a challenge, right? I, I think so. Although there's a coach, I, I gave that advice to a coach in, uh, in, in the Midwest and uh, he, he didn't like it. We were at dinner and we had that confrontational, what are you saying? I'm doing this and you're me, telling me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Another Midwest guy. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but then it's a good story. It's a Phoenix rising. It's a, yeah. it's a wonderful story. So we had that discussion and it wasn't easy and I wasn't trying to coach him. I was just, we were having exactly what you and I are talking about to his credit. What he did is he went to a client almost right afterwards and he, he fought, he did some shadowing uh, and he had some epiphanies and it really made a difference in his coaching and how he connects to the client. Like you can, you can connect to the client and say, I have not been in your shoes. So the life coach, yeah. I'd say that life coach could coach you if they enter with humility. I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing with your point of experience, but yeah. what I'm saying is if they come in and, you know, I'm a life coach, Ryan, you have so much richer experience than me. Can you, right? What I can bring to you is processes in coaching and listening skills. And maybe I, the newness of my view can help you, but I want to learn, give, give me, I want to share. I don't want to assume that I can help you with, like I have your yeah, experience. So what that. can, what can we do to partner to your, to serve you? And, and this coach did that with his clients, yeah. clients, and he came out with some epiphanies and it changed his approach and it changed his effectiveness with his clients. It's great. And, and I thought it changed him. So it's like, I, I think at the end, we didn't talk about it. So I may switch this conversation a little bit. I think one of the things I'm starting to discover, Ryan, the most important thing as a coach, maybe as a trainer too, is relationship first. Yeah. Like before we do anything, establish relationship. And and that's actually following someone around, being empathetic. To me, that's that's the that's parts of respect. And let's let me establish a relationship together. We're a partnership, but a relationship. And let's get to know each other. And I think if we do that, then then that'll sort of fill in the blanks with the subject matter expertise. We can we can maybe be effective together. Now I I think I'm stretching with a 20 year a 20 year old. I, 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 that's a pretty extreme example there. I know I, it was, I would have had, I would have had real trouble if a 20 something is talking to me about life coaching. Yeah. No, and, uh, and a, and a real good person. And I think though, they're going to be super effective, really good skill set. And I, it, it is extreme and I'm, and I'm being a little facetious with it. Yes. Um, but, it, but it's also, I, th I hope it's illustrative where it's kind of like, uh, maybe we should have a little bit at least like what you're saying, Bob, some empathy. We've, we've done something to build an idea, a mental model of what's going on. We're not just assuming. So, um, so, so let's be clear to that same coach and to a lot of coaches. And I'm like, I, and I would strongly suggest you get some leadership experience. Yeah. So, so it doesn't have to be this company. Uh, I don't know about you, but like leadership in the scrum Alliance or scrum, you know, there can be challenges in leader and nonprofits yep. uh, go to a nonprofit. Uh, be a volunteer leader of a group, go to a chapter, like go to a PMI chapter and become a member of the leadership team. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm not saying it replaces the pressure of the board, but what I'm saying is go 
don't have zero leadership chops and then coach leaders start finding be humble go find opportunities and gain the discovery of how hard it is and how challenging it is go coach your kids little league team and deal with the parents right yes deal with the parents yes. and that's yeah all joking aside yes Yes. I, I, I'm a hundred percent serious. I, yeah, I think do that's that. a great idea. Right. Um, do that. Let me give the converse, um, the, the kind of the opposite view here um, as a scrum master. So if I'm called in and every once in a while, I, I actually like being in the trenches. I miss it. So I'll take, okay. I'll, I'll take short-term assignments. I enjoy it. And, okay. but one of the first things that happen is that they set me up in Jira, Rally, Azure DevOps. All the tools are great. So I don't, I'm yep. not, I'm not knocking any of them. They, yep. they set me up in their tool and then they they give me an account in the software that's being built. And by the end of the day, I've worked with the DevOps teams to get both deactivated. I don't need to be in the tool to be a, an effective scrum master. And I don't need to be in the product. That's product owner. Product right. owner needs to know that. And so I am in a scrum master role, very surgical about where my lane is. Like I'm supposed to be an expert on scrum and relationships and people and practice. And, and, and so I really am careful to watch those lines. Right. And so, well, I just want to give that opposite kind of example too, where there are times where I totally unplug and I actually upfront state, I am not a subject matter expertise and you cannot approach me in that light when it comes to your product and your domain. Right, and I try to set those boundaries pretty clearly too. See, I don't. I'm going to react to that maybe badly right. or poorly oh. to some degree. So I think we have to have curiosity. So yes, right. The, the domain experience. You know, I'm not actually negating anything that we've said, but I'm the one reaction I have is the curiosity reaction. Like I would be curious. I think it's good to be curious about the backlog. Uh, I mean, I'm an old, oh. so, yeah. so read, me, I, I will do, I will do like a read only, but I'm not adding, I'm not editing. I'm not messing about in the tool. Right. I definitely need see, to I, see it. Yep. See, I might, I might say, you know, I'm Bob. I, I've never, you know, I know nothing about this story, but this one looks a little bit light on the acceptance criteria. Could you sure. give it some thought? So I, again, it's curious. I'm not probably being too directive, but I'm, I may be interacting on them. I, I do think there's a fuzzy line. I get what you're saying. I think there's a curiosity-based fuzzy line, even oh, in the co totally. it, in the coaching or whatever, where we don't want to be, you know, we want to, to the degree that we have curiosity, like, you know what I'm reacting to, Ryan Moore? I'm triggering on Jira. I'm triggering, I'm triggering, <laughs> I'm triggering on stories. You with me? I'm yeah, triggering yeah, yeah. Yep. because I'm a product, you know, I'm a kind of a product guy and kind of not a product guy. That's, and that's not my, you know, if I go into a company, please, you don't want me right. Exactly. I'm not a product you, guy. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but, but I'm not a product product guy from the yeah, point yeah. of view of their domain. But there's, there's a lane where there's gray area on the lane and hopefully people see my enthusiasm and my passion and I'm helping. Yeah. And, and I think that that's actually the reason I get passionate about it is that seems to make a difference with folks. Sometimes it's some of my clients and things like that. Now I try to make sure that I'm not, stepping too far out of, if i step too far out of the lane i'm doing i'm doing damage to everyone including myself but well and it could be that these are the boundaries that i've had to set to avoid that right i'd yeah, rather yeah. work with the team on 
do we understand what done means and how can I facilitate that understanding instead yeah. of questioning their use of a test case in this way, in this instance. And, and if I don't put some blinders and some, some boundaries up, I get stuck. See, I like, I like that. There's these curiosities like done. This would be one for me. Uh, where yeah. would be test cases would be an area yeah. where I would, I would say you own, right. Right. You own that. Uh, I think having so solid boundaries, you know, then some guardrails and maybe some gray area. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just, I know myself and I I'll start tinkering and not doing my job. <laughs> so then I, I start doing damage, but but yeah, I I like this. So I don't know if we actually answered a definitive answer. I think this is a lot of it depends in context and nuance. But I, I think it's important, just like the last episode with Bob, maybe this is the theme of Bob's, um, I think this is the theme of a lot of your work. We've got to be introspective. We got to figure out where we're at, what we're doing and what could work. But I think we also have to be super flexible in what well, we decide, right? Well, let's bring it back to the wheel and bring it back to the last episode. So question, does an agile coach need subject matter expertise? Okay, that's we can't answer that. Let's go down the level. Does an agile coach operating in advising to a leadership client? Ah, they probably need some expertise in a certain area to be more effective. Uh, how they use it is they need to be careful in how they use it. Does an agile coach operating in mentoring skill and and do they need to know when to say I can't, which is our which is our uh, boundary conditions? Like if someone asks me, uh, please help me with uh, pair coding, or or implementation of uh, agile yeah, test driven design, right? TDD. Yep. That would be a case where I'm going to know, right? So do so go around the wheel. So I think the agile coach is too general. Is my point? It's too general what you want to do is, and the wheel is a nice vehicle for this, step down a level and ask yourself what style or what type of agile coaching am I going to do? And what's the client need context? And then maybe talk about the expertise. What do you think about that? It's a great use of the, I, I think it's a great way to use the wheel, right? So in a, if I'm facilitating and it's a decision about something that the de the developers are experts in, no, I don't need subject matter expertise. I need to have great facilitation skills to simplify yep. the decision, right? Yeah. I, I like that a lot. Walk the wheel, think about the situations, think about what the client needs. And I think what you're going to find is there's very few areas on the wheel that actually require uh, subject matter expertise. I think there's I a mean, couple. Well, the Agile Lean. Yep. Right. That agile lean. And by definition, it's much deeper and much richer there. And and that's what you your example was. If I'm in that space, definition of done, that's going to be in that space. Kanban, that's going to be in that space. Right. And just so people don't get frustrated, I'll bring the uh, the wheel back up just for a minute. And if you're listening somewhere on a podcast, I'm sorry, you won't be able to see this. This is the wheel we're talking about right? The different areas. And we've got this advising and agile lean where we're kind of talking about where this expertise is probably going to come into play. Maybe serving the product owner. Maybe. Exactly. Isn't it? It's a wonder. I love this discussion, Ryan, because you can see it, as you drill into the, the wheel and that service to the product owner. And again, depending on my skill set. So if you're doing it, it would be a different level of service depending yep. on your comfort with it or what, what your goal is. I'm, I was alluding to, I'm going to get more involved in stories or whatever. Yep. Why? To serve the product owner or to, or, and or to serve the team. 
Yeah, I like this. I, I think this, when these questions about agile coaching come up, I think this wheel, wow, and I can't, I'd never seen this. So the last episode, you really brought this to, to the, the front of my mind. And yeah, this can really help with those kind of decisions. And maybe as a coach walking through the wheel, I think like you recommended in the last episode, maybe start marking the areas where I'm highly comfort. I have a lot of comfort, but also marking where you're spending too much time, not enough time and start thinking about, I love this introspection of, you know, and where am I lacking expertise? And maybe yeah, I've never been a leader and advising at a leadership level is not going to be right, but at the team level, I'm comfortable. So I need to engage someone like Bob to have that enterprise discussion. I think that's just smart. I, I really like this a lot, Bob. I think I, I didn't create it. I'm just, I'm just anchoring on it, helping evolve it a little bit, but absolutely. It's really, and, and again, it's related to lineage goes back to Lisa's work. Yep. So it has a wonderful lineage, but this is like the next level. And like we said in the last episode, I really encourage everyone, if you go to the website and investigate the wheel, go into the core competencies and self-evaluate. Please self-evaluate. If you're, if you're doing anything related to agile coaching, not an agile coach, but doing anything related to that, then, then be reflective and take a look at yourself, self-assess and see where you might want to go. Very cool. Well, Bob, I don't know if we, I think we answered the question. It's going to be dependent on what you're trying to do and who you're working with. And the wheel can certainly give us a lot of guidance there, right? I Can I dare, dare I say the answer is it depends. Is that <laughs> what we're, is that what we're coming to, Ryan? I think so. I, I think I, so. But I think the way we got there will hopefully be satisfying to people. I think it was a satisfying journey. But it was still a nice way of saying it depends. We, I hope it. I hope it was a, a powerful, useful. It depends in this case. So that's funny. I think people have spent thirty minutes watching us conclude. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's another episode of Fixing Your Agile Coaching. Uh, no, Bob, thank you so much. I think. Oh, it's my pleasure, good, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I think it's a good discussion, and I think it helps people. Um, you know, a lot of questions that I get before we just wrap up is how do you approach stuff? And I think this is how we actually do it. Like when, when we're sitting in an airport terminal in the lounge that, you know, Bob has purchased a seat for me at, and we're sitting there chatting, this is how we choose through stuff when we're just talking. And so this is, I hope it's helpful to see the thought process and where I'll say something and it triggers Bob and he comes back and I have to soften his stance or he changes his mind. And this is what we do to get better, right? Iron sharpens iron and, and hopefully this process, um, made a lot of sense and yeah, it just depends. <laughs> and thanks for hanging out with us, everyone. Ryan, yeah. I, I can't tell you how, uh, much I enjoy interacting with you. I have forgotten. It's been a long time. <laughs> so I've had fun with you these last two, these two sessions. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you, Bob. I, I love these. So I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're sharing your wisdom. I certainly appreciate it. So, all right. End screen time, everybody. Uh, be sure to check out all of the awesome Bob Galen stuff that I've put in the description. Lots of links, lots of notes about books and websites and classes and uh, the Metacast. Check out the Agile for Humans socials. we got a lot of stuff going on, especially on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You know, when we drop the latest stuff, you'll get that alert right in your inbox. Check out the videos below. They just popped up. The YouTube AI thinks you'll like them. We do too. Uh, for Bob Galen, I'm Ryan Ripley. Thanks for joining us on this It Depends journey. We hope you got a lot out of it. Leave a comment below. Let us know 
uh, what resonated, what worked, what didn't. And um, who knows, maybe someone will pose a question that uh, will entice Bob to come back and talk with us some more. So get out there, do some coachings, use that wheel, be introspective, keep an eye out for Bob's book. I think it's going to be great. And until next time, go out there and do some great things, people. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on!